There's a friction point coming between those who want all their peers back in the office and those who want remote work arrangements to stay as they are. We'll cover bridging that gap, plus the special story of the kid at the library who grew up to be a boss hero. It all starts now on Boss Better Now. You're listening to Boss Better Now. Please welcome speaker, author, and COVID-vaccinated, Jumal. Greetings, Boss Heroes, and welcome to your recharge. We gather on this here podcast to celebrate the commitment you make every day to make work work for others. Our goal with each and every episode is to drop a nugget or two you might find helpful and to fill up your boss cup. I am joined once again by my co-host, executive and physician coach, Alyssa Mullet. Hello, my friend. Hello! I have my second shot tomorrow. I'm super excited for us. Yay! Vaccinations! So you've talked on the podcast about the simmering rage that has persisted, uh, sometimes under the surface, sometimes, you know, in full yeah. view. Um, has that abated a little bit? How has the, the prospect of being vaccinated or getting vaccinated impacted your overall well-being? So... I think that it has <laughs> maybe uh, tempered it a bit okay. uh, in terms of the anger and the simmeringness of it. Uh, but what it has also brought me is in exchanges this kind of hope, you know, mm-hmm. that um, there's more control available to me. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, the simmering part, though, is still these social justice issues, the political yeah. climate that we're still reeling from, and all of those things, that pot is still simmering for me, and I feel like I don't know what it's going to take for humanity to restore itself for me because i don't think me going back out into it as a vaccinated person (laughs) is gonna do it at this point i think i have seen too much now Mm -hmm. i feel too much about these very important things that i didn't before and i'm not quite sure if i want to turn down the burner Mm. And so you have a, a journey to go on to figure out how to live with that or how to channel it maybe in, in a healthier way rather than it just be something that is debilitating for you. And I think a lot of folks are going through that right now. And, and I know that a part of your simmering rage it, it was born out of just the fact that not everybody is doing their part, right? Not everybody is doing what they can to mitigate risk, to mitigate spread, to, to, to you know, wear masks and social distance and, and, you know, not go places where you, you know, un- unless it was necessary. Um, I know that's a part of it as well. So how will you begin to channel this so that you, you can again emerge into the world? Yeah, I think um, a couple of things that I'm trying to do proactively right now um, that have become more imperative to me in the last couple of months is self-education, specifically around um, racial justice issues, um, as well as science 
And um, I mean, my husband's a scientist, so I feel like Mm -hmm. that's always been a part of my life. But trying to, again, immerse myself and educate myself first. Um, It's not my job to educate everybody else in the Mm -hmm. world, but I think that there is a, a place for me to be an advocate for knowledge, um, for my family at minimum. Um, and, and perhaps, um, there's a way to channel that to serve a greater good. And so that's the space that I'm trying to navigate now is education, listening deeply, um, and changing who I'm listening to, who I'm seeing in my social media feeds, things of this nature to try to get more perspective and make myself available in a way to maybe turn down that burner um, or channel it Mm -hmm. in a positive, impactful way that serves my values. Well, you have, are and continue to be a role model for me on the journey that we all need to go on to just be the best version of ourselves that we can be. And everything that you just listed there are the things that we probably should all be doing, uh, especially in the climate that we're in right now. I know that I would like us at some point to do an episode or two or many, many, many on what bosses need to do to create inclusive and equitable workplaces. That's important. We're we're starting to create some content around that right now for our Boss Better Leadership Academy, and it's challenging uh, Mm -hmm. in this this day and age to – Especially, you know, someone like myself who checks every box as being in like the majority power groups, right? I'm a straight, white, uh, male, cisgendered, non-disabled American, you know, and, and I get a lot of power and privilege by every one of those labels. And every one of those labels is also a bubble that insulates me from a lot of things that others see and, and hear and experience. And so, um, you know, w- we're going to tee up a future episode here, I think, just with what you and I were talking about, if you'd be up for that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I've i been trying, like I said, to do the work on my own individually. And I so I have a bunch of resources um, that I think that um, could be beneficial to our audience as well. So hopefully uh, we'll have a lot of people go along on the journey with us. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Love it. And so that's something, that Boss Heroes, that you can look forward to uh, in the weeks ahead. For today, our plan was to talk about some things that I've been seeing in the headlines lately about remote work and returning from remote work environments. Because I think right now, Alyssa, I don't know if you've noticed this, but it seems like there's a lot of conversation about emerging from the pandemic, returning to work, and starting to navigate the the post-virtual world for people in a lot of workplaces. And what I noticed is that we have been surrounded by contradictory contradictory information when it comes to remote work. Um, I'm a bit of a news junkie. I read a lot of different news sites every morning while drinking my coffee. Um, and there are competing headlines everywhere. And I'm seeing them daily in major newspapers. I saw headlines this morning in Newsweek, Forbes, and Inc. magazine. Uh, you'll see one headline that says, remote work has proven to work and it's here to stay. And right next to that, you'll see another headline that says, the remote experiment has been a failure. Uh, And then right next to that, you'll see a study that says, 
employees are dying to come back to work. And then right below that is another report that says, your employees are not coming back to work. (laughs) (laughs) Have you noticed this out there in the world at all in some of the news coverage or in, in even just online? Well, you know, so I get the lovely, like, SHRM, uh, the Society of Human Resource Management, uh, news blurbs and things of that nature, and kind of the HR take on all of those systems. And yes, so there is a mixed messaging for sure. Um, I think in terms of what I have interpreted from those headlines um, is what I generally experience in in a mediation session with <laughs> with clients, which is there's their story, his story, her story, and the yes. truth is probably somewhere in the middle there because the reality is while we may think of the past year, year and a half as an experiment, uh, you know, Again, any scientist will tell you that's not a really a proof of long-term concept. Right. So the, the jury should still be out. Um, is that reality? Can we have that kind of longer-term experiment? I think that in some businesses, it's saying, no, 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 we can't, we can't keep doing this. You know, um, So somewhere in the middle lies this space of, what's really going to work in the future? And do we have to make these um, kind of imperative, only this black or white uh, Mm -hmm. kind of rules and regulations? You know, according to the HR realms, (laughs) gray is not good. So we got to go with this is this way or this way, you know, and it has to be equitable, which I, I get. But again, I think that it's going to be a really big maze for yeah. not just organizations as a whole, but put that down to our our bosses out there, how they're going to handle within their own teams, how that's going to look in the future. Yeah. What is your sense of what the middle is, the reality of what our bosses are going to experience? So- I- as I alluded to in the opening of the show, I think there's a friction point coming uh, in a couple of different ways. Um, one of those friction points is related to what people believe about remote work, right? That right now there's a chorus of voices who are resisting returning to in-person work. They're saying, um, I'm happier working from remote. It's less stressful. It's better. It's more enjoyable. Yet there are studies that demonstrate that Some people working from home are more stressed and less happy. Um, Not all of them. You have to look at those studies carefully. There there is, as we've said, there's contradictory information out there. Um, We, I'm sure in some organizations, will see some data that says that their remote employees were just as productive and effective in a virtual environment than they were on site. And you will have some other places where maybe that doesn't hold true. So I think that's going to be a friction point at one level. Hmm. The other friction point that I think is coming is... Uh, on teams and across leadership in some organizations. Um, We know some people thrive when they're surrounded by people and they get drained when they're alone. And we know that some people thrive alone and they get drained when they have to spend a lot of time around people. And this is the friction point is going to be between these two groups of folks because 
what's important to understand is that your employees will advocate for the environment that most caters to their personality preferences. And they will also devalue its opposite, right? When, when those who thrive around others say, we need to all be on site to make this work, the, introver the introverts are going to say, no, we don't. That's not true. This past year just proved it's possible. And then when those who thrive via remote environments say, hey, there is no reason we can't maintain complete virtual employment, the extroverts are going to say, no way, not true. This past year just proved it's harmful. And so you know, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, which is that the best approach likely exists between these extremes. Um, mm. We have to figure out how to provide flexibility for employees without inequity. I think you know, the organizations who commit to flexibility at the individual level and who encourage their frontline and mid-level leaders to engage in an open dialogue that prioritizes worker needs and wants, they're the ones who are going to reap the rewards. So I think we need to have leaders approaching this question in the most kind of downstream level as possible, starting at the individual level. What's working for you? What has come out of this pandemic that you want to keep? What do you want to return to? How do we strike a balance? And then we move individual, then to team, then to you know my division, and then my organization. Uh, because we know that when you give employees autonomy and influence, their engagement goes up. And so here's an opportunity to do that, right? To say, hey, what's worked for you? And what parts of that can we keep? Excellent. That's a, I mean, I, I, I hope folks got off the elliptical <laughs> and or had their post-it notes handy because that was like a, a how-to <laughs> enact a great uh, case strategy in terms of starting at the individual level. So bosses out there, these are the kinds of questions that you have to start approaching, thinking that you have to start here and then work up to the big picture and be able to take your big picture to your big picture, okay? Um, because that's creating the environment that right. will most enable the majority of your teams to thrive. Yeah. That's going to create the conditions to, of success. And I brought a, a, two stats with me that jumped off a page in something I was reading the other day. Microsoft did a survey of 31,000 full-time and self-employed people in 31 different markets. And across this survey, 66% of, of workers said that they were craving more in-person time at work. And- mm. 70% expressed a desire to keep virtual remote work arrangements. So this is the Wait. same survey. 66% said they were craving more in-person time at work, and 70% indicated a desire to keep virtual remote work arrangements. And guess what, folks? Both of those things can be true, right? You can have mm. people who say, I want some like touching, right? <laughs> I want some of the in-person like proximity and I some days want to work in my PJs. And like both of those things can be true. What what matters right now is the open dialogue to identify 
a construct that caters to everyone, but you know that that's flexible enough to meet people where they are, uh, but not in a way that is inequitable. You can't give one employee a certain level of flexibility and then give another employee in the same kind of role a different set of choices. Right? You're creating a liability for yourself there. Um, but you know, here's the thing. About, go ahead. I think that's so. The statistics are like making my brain sizzle out. Okay, because this is like the exact example of cognitive dissidence yeah. in a very real way that we in HR are like. Well, you it, it can't both be true. You can't have both. You. It, it, mm-hmm. And of course you can. I mean, of, 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 of course they, they can both be true. You can say, sometimes I want to be close to people and sometimes I don't. I would like the option of being able to do my job remotely some of the time while also coming into the office and being connected to my peers some of the time. And I, I think that's what that data is, is saying. I, it reminds me of this concept um, that I learned early in my um, career entry into working with individuals with disabilities was um, I had this um, mentor who told me the story of what the, the term handicapped actually meant. Mm. Um, and it comes from this old uh, kind of story of hand in cap cap in hand as in uh individuals with disabilities were out there begging for money right and so that's where that word came from and so this person-centered language was Mm -hmm. always what you were taught whenever you um entered into this realm of work and so that's why i say individuals with disabilities so you're putting the person first and that's what i think that we need to hold on to here and all of this dissidence is that we have to be putting the person the people first before anything else any system any in-person out-person remote blah, blah 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 person first not these systems first person first that seems like if we do that thing and we hold ourselves accountable to that rather than some kind of system that we've been accustomed to that seems like it might work you are often on this podcast quick to compliment my ability to tie things together uh in a nice bow and I need to take this opportunity to tell you what a phenomenal do- job you just did doing that very sort of thing. Because not only did you get to the heart of the matter, which is really about people first, work with the individual, work up from there. But the example that you used was about creating an equitable and inclusive workplace and in talking about some of the uh, differences that show up in the workplace sometimes using the example of non- of uh, you know disabled persons, individuals with disabilities – and calling back to the conversation we just had uh, about social justice. And so, my friend, well done. I'm going to give you a triangle ding. Wow. I'm honored. And that is high praise coming from you. You must must be rubbing off on me, Joe. I don't <laughs> well, that brings us to everybody's favorite segment, 
the camaraderie question of the week. Every week, we ask a question of our audience and each other that you could take to team meetings and huddles in an effort to help the members of your teams find things in common with each other. We know that when you help members of teams find things in common with each other, they access each other's humanity. That cuts down on team drama, improves collaboration, and generally makes people take better care of each other. And so our camaraderie question of the week this week, Alyssa... Excluding social media and camera, what three apps do you use on your phone the most? And uh, you're smiling. If anybody's watching on YouTube, you see that Alyssa's smiling. Uh, And so I will let everybody else in on a secret. Um, We have answered this question already. We had a a large team meeting uh, for Joe Mall and Associates last week. And this was the question that we used at our meeting for our own camaraderie question of the week. And we had so much fun talking about it. I thought, I'm bringing this one to the podcast. So uh, I know your answer. You know mine. But let's share it with the audience. What are the, excluding social media and camera, what three apps do you use on your phone the most? Okay. So you're going to get a maybe a I don't know, a redacted version okay. of the podcast because I got family listening to this, man. Okay, so uh, my first <laughs> my first app is my sweat app, which is a um, a fitness app. And I have a personal trainer on there. Um, I love it. So that's every morning I'm on my sweat app. My second one is my Kindle app. Um, I use my Kindle to read books that are not uh fueling for my brain (laughs) i use the use that as my escape pod for reading that i would otherwise not do let's just put it that way okay Okay. uh number three is a toss-up between um there's a an educational course that i'm taking right now um Stay tuned, listeners, uh, for that. And that's called Notion. And so I'm on that a lot. And then it's also tied with Spotify because I listen to podcasts every morning whenever I'm exercising. So that is also on there. I feel like the fact that you led with, well, I can't tell you what they really are because it's a family show. Now it's just everybody on the internet's going, what didn't she say? Like, what's the... And that was... (laughs) There was... The answers you gave now were the same answers you you gave at at our team meeting last week. So so I, I don't know what what you were censoring, but um, you know, congratulations on letting our audience's imagination run wild with them. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. You know, <laughs> bringing the intrigue. Well, all right. So turn around, turn about, okay. fair play. Let's let's uh, go over your answers, Joe. I don't have nearly as um, racy or an imaginative answer as you may have alluded to. Uh, <laughs> mine are kind of boring, I think. Um, I use the Lose It app every day. Um, I just passed 400 consecutive days of logging my food. This is a, a core habit that I needed wow. to adopt to just make sure that I make maintain consistent healthy behaviors with, with some food choices. Um, so every day, every meal, I log in the Lose It app. And... You heard me say earlier in the show, I'm a bit of a news junkie. Every morning uh, when I drink my coffee, I catch up on the news in the Apple News app. It's a um, it's like a news aggregator. I know you're not an Apple person, but uh, Apple has an app <laughs> where you fruit. can there's there's no don't go there. The the you can uh, pull in a lot of different types of uh, sites and news sources, and so I use that and read that uh, pretty closely. And then the third is 
probably the Sirius XM app. I'm a big Sirius XM fan. I've been a subscriber for years, love it in the the cars, and I stream it in my office a lot when I'm working. And some days it's, you know, lithium or turbo and it's like rock channels. And some days it's like yacht rock, mellow 80s gold because I'm just feeling that when I'm working, right? Um, That is a very specific genre. There's a lot of subcategories in the app that are super fun to explore. Um, you know, some days I'll, I'll listen to sports talk and, you know, some days I listen to the news. Uh, so I, I love having that and it gets played a lot in my office. I love this question so much because I took notes uh, whenever we did it around um, our team meeting and it, you're reminding me about being accountable for you know, eating and things like that nature, I was like, oh, I really got to get back into that. Mm. And so in the last week, I too have started to track my food again on my Fitbit. And so I was like, see, this this camaraderie question, it's it's actually not a joke. Like it can actually spur some stuff to actually happen in an individual's life. And, and one of my favorite parts of that at our team meeting last week was almost everybody around the table, or it was a Zoom meeting, around the the Brady Bunch boxes, mentioned something that somebody else wrote down. Somebody else said, wait, what was that? And they wrote it down. And, and we all heard about apps that people use religiously daily that we didn't even know about. And so I think everybody kind of left going, hey, I got to check this out. And and yeah, I like this question for that reason, too. So take this one yeah. to your teams and your huddles, folks. It's a, a fun, easy way to go around the room. Uh, the question was, excluding social media and camera, what three apps do you use on your phone the most? And that is the camaraderie question of the week. Hey, Boss Heroes. More than once you've heard me say, commitment comes from better bosses. But where do better bosses come from? Answer, the Joe Mullen Associates Boss Better Leadership Academy. The managers on your team are going to develop the self-awareness, knowledge, skills, and relationships critical to success in a one-day training. If you want them to motivate teams, maximize effort, and create the conditions for your employees to thrive, they need ongoing education. When your organization subscribes to our Boss Better Leadership Academy, all your leaders get to join me for a monthly learning event. These live coaching clinics, micro-trainings, and dynamic virtual summits take just a few minutes each month, and the year-round access to our digital vault gives you all the recordings for on-demand use, new manager onboarding, and more. Oh, and everything we do is evidence-based and highly entertaining, if I do say so myself. Best of all, for most organizations, you can get a year of this continuous leadership development training for less than the cost of bringing me on site for a one-hour keynote. If you want managers to lead well, they need to work on it year-round. It's like going to the gym. If you go once, you'll get a good workout, but no long-term results. If you keep going, though, you get healthier and healthier over time. The same is true for bosses. They need continuous learning and mentorship. So what are you waiting for? Let's give your leaders the skills, tools, and knowledge they need to supercharge commitment and boss better. For more information, including pricing, visit joemall.com forward slash academy. Okay, Alyssa, I am very excited because we are going to finish this episode with a boss hero story. You're going to like this. Uh, as 
folks who have listened to our podcast may know every once in a while, we try to spotlight uh, everyday people who are out there leading in one way or another uh, and who are making a difference in the world. And so we want to award Boss Hero status today to two ladies as a result of an email I got last week from Rachel in New England. Now, Rachel found us by first reading my book, No More Team Drama, which led her to subscribe to our free Boss Better email newsletter and ultimately to our podcast. I like her already. Uh, she emailed just to say Me how too. much she was and yes, she emailed just to say how much she was enjoying all our stuff. Uh, and in that email, I asked her a little bit more about her story, and here's what she said. After 27 years as a children's librarian, I became the director of the library last year. I had no interest in the job. I truly loved my role as the children's librarian, and I saw how unhappy previous directors had been. I saw firsthand the challenges they had to endure. So she went on to explain that, that when their last director left, she was named interim. And she sat on the search committee to fill the position, but they couldn't find anybody. They couldn't find the right person. And ultimately, the town manager asked her to take the director role permanently. She wrote, I started to have some hope that I could make positive changes, so I agreed. That was one month before COVID. So Rachel spent the next year reorganizing the library structure, reinventing a new model of service, and giving, as she describes it, serious time toward addressing longstanding dysfunction among staff on the team. She said, a year later, and now we are actively addressing the behavior of two employees that are at the heart of the toxicity. I also eliminated several things, including a group chat, which fueled dysfunction communication patterns, dysfunctional communication patterns, and was distracting for everyone. Rachel says now her team is embracing change and moving forward in a positive way. But Alyssa, this is my favorite part of the story. This is going to give you all the feels. She said, I have to tell you about this, Joe. Way back in my first few years as the children's librarian, I had a 10-year-old girl named Megan ask if she could volunteer. She wanted to be a librarian someday. And so she began helping shelve books and work on various projects for me. Over the years, I wrote Megan many letters of recommendation for scholarships and other opportunities as she progressed through schooling and into her early work life. Believe it or not, that little girl grew up, completed a, a degree in library sciences, and several months before our previous director resigned, we hired Megan to be our adult programming librarian. So, of course, when I became the library director, I immediately offered my previous position of children's librarian to Megan, which is the job she always wanted. She is now not only my children's librarian, but because she's taken many courses in leadership and management, she is also my assistant director. You see, Rachel emailed me to talk about Megan. She said, I'm not sure I would have given up my old job, which I truly loved, if I hadn't known that the families and children I so enjoyed serving would be in Megan's capable hands. Megan has been a tremendous help and partner to me in moving our staff forward into a more functional organization. I could not have made these changes without her support and her help. So she goes on to say that she listens to our podcast to and from work every day and loves that it's an affirming and, and positive set of conversations. Alyssa. There's so much goodness in this story, the story of both of these ladies. What stands out to you? This, oh, oh man, life goals, hashtag. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> mentorship is the first word that comes Ooh. to mind is that, you know, 
God, their relationship started when she was 10. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, that is the stuff that, like, Hallmark movies are made of. (laughs) So, in any case, I think think the biggest thing for me um, as a leader would be look for those opportunities um, to diversify your perspectives through, maybe it's not a 10-year-old, maybe it's somebody... That is a 60-year-old that you think's on the way out the door. Mm. You know, maybe it's someone that's in a way different department than you that looks way different than you. These are the kinds of experiences and perspectives that we need um, that can enrich our lives in ways that we could even dream to write. Yes. And I think my favorite part of the story... I mean, obviously, little girl goes to the library, falls in love with the library, wants to become a librarian, and then goes and gets that job at that same library. That is incredible. My other favorite part of the story is Rachel's humility. How common is it for an experienced, established librarian to take someone they knew as a child and decide this person knows more about something than I do. I mean, Rachel went out of her way to say, Megan has more leadership and management courses and experience in her background than I do. So I needed her to advise me and help guide the direction of our organization. Uh, you know, we all have people in our lives who knew us when they are when we were kids. They will never see us as adults, right? You know, that that's true for aunts right. and uncles a lot, I think. The fact that Rachel is comfortable enough in her own skin and in her uh, capacity as a leader to look at this person and say, you're probably more capable than me in some of these areas. And so why don't we elevate you so that you can have have an impact and make a difference? That's incredible. That, that's, that takes leadership courage and leadership humility. And that's not something that everybody has. That is a yeah. boss hero. No, I, I mean, I'm still trying to work on that whole ego thing because uh, I, I ain't there yet. <laughs> well, Rachel and Megan are both going to get a Boss Better Now swag bag, something that we're putting together with awesome. some podcast-related goodies. Uh, and so we're going to send that up to them when they are ready. And so Rachel and Megan, uh, seriously, our heartfelt thanks to you and all the, the good you do in your community there. And thank you for being role models for the rest of us on how to lead uh, and serve others. If you would like to share the story of a boss hero in your life, we would love to hear it. And we might even spotlight it here on the show. And then, of course, you could win some cool stuff. Uh, the way that you can share your boss hero Hero Stories with us is pretty simple. Go to BossHeroStories.com. You can fill out a quick form, tell us a little bit about the story that we should share, and we'll take a close look at it. Of course, you can always email us at the show with any of your comments, suggestions, or feedback at BossBetterNow at gmail.com. That's the show for this week. And until next time, friends, keep showing up and keep caring about your people. It's the only way to achieve wins, get results, and change lives. Thanks for listening. This show is sponsored by Joe Mall and Associates. Remember, commitment comes from better bosses. Visit joemall.com today.